listening to the Stormcast, a podcast from the Omaha Storm Chasers. Oh, he got him! Oh, he got him! Escobar got him at first! And that ball's way out of here! It's a two-run game-winning homer! Here's your host, Jake Eisenberg. Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm, we're family! Welcome to another episode of the Stormcast presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce. Jake Eisenberg with you, and we're joined today by Storm Chasers infielder Jimmy Govern. Uh, you've actually got more names than that. People call you Jimmy. I hear you get called Jimbo. You're the governor. You're Jimbo Slice, Jimmy G. I mean, where where do you fall with all these nicknames? What's your favorite? Um, I, I like the governor. It didn't really happen until last year in, in Hyatt. There was... Uh, a group of fans who came one night on like a thirsty Thursday and I was playing third base that night and they started going nuts and just yelling my name the whole, the second half of the game. And then they started getting, calling themselves the governor's corner. <laughs> so, so then that's kind of when it caught on. And then, uh, Buck, uh, our hitting coach, Brian Buchanan calls me governor all the time. So it's kind of stuck this year. Well, I remember when you joined the storm chasers last year in Indianapolis, I got a text from a couple of people that saw the transaction, saw you were coming to town, and they were like, oh, the governor, he's coming to Omaha. The governor's <laughs> going to be there. And I was like, the governor's coming to Omaha? Jimmy Governor? I'd like, no offense, I hadn't really yeah. heard much about you until you were getting called up, and then I dove into it. I was like, the governor's coming to Omaha. And sure enough, your first game back with the Storm Chasers last year, you go deep toward the hotel in Indianapolis. It was one of your first swings. And, and it seems like with the Storm Chasers, You've now had a bunch of moments like that where you've gotten an opportunity to be in the lineup and you get your hacks and you don't get cheated. Yep, yeah, you know, it's that's just it's what it's all about. You know, this game is being able to take advantage of opportunity, especially, you know, as you know, later round pick. And there's a bunch of those guys in the clubhouse that have throughout their career just kept on taking advantage. You know, they get moved up when maybe some people think they aren't ready and, um, you know, they kind of take off and, you know, roll with it. So that's just what this game is all about. You know, it's so many things happen throughout a season. I mean, we've seen it this year. You know, guys go up because of COVID. Guys go up because no vaccine or something. And you know, it's that's just what this game is about. I mean, look at look at Nate Eaton. He comes up from Double A when we are in a pinch, and he just grabs it by the horns and rolls with it. Now he's a big leaguer. You know, it's just that's what this game is all about, and that's why it's so beautiful because you never know. You never know when that could happen, so it's all about, you know, trying to stay ready and, you know, just work as hard as you can and, you know, set yourself up for success. There are now three guys from the 2019 draft class that are in the big leagues with the Royals. You remember the 2019 draft class, 30th round pick. Bobby's up there, Vinny's up there, Michael Massey's up there. And correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, maybe aside from Bobby Wood Jr., because he's Bobby Wood Jr., but you don't necessarily expect to go through the minor leagues that fast. It's only been three years since the 2019 draft, and it seems like guys are flying through the system, and not just with the Royals, but in other places too, uh, a lot faster than they had in years past. So when you see guys like Bobby and Vinny and Michael that you were drafted with, that you've come up with, you know, reach that level, what does that mean to you as a fellow member of that draft class? Um, you know, you could you could see it right away with with those guys. I remember right after we got drafted and we went down to Arizona for the mini camp. Um, I was just watching, watching a lot of those guys in that draft. Cause it's like, geez, I mean, this, these guys look pretty darn good. And this is our first week here. And it's just, 
great personalities too. Um, I feel like we've been pretty tight, tightly knit, you know, last year in high, we had a lot of that draft class together and it's just, we have a blast playing together and, you know, coming out before stretch, throwing a football around, stretching, listening, listening to different playlists. Like it's just, we enjoy being together. And I think that kind of, you know, cultivates, you know, comfortability throughout a clubhouse and throughout an organization. Cause uh, it's just, I'm, I'm very proud of those guys and it's been awesome to, you know, watch them last year and parts of this year too. I know that, uh, Vinny and Michael are guys that, that you're closer to in that draft class. You were all drafted out of college. You know, you and Michael both went to college in Illinois. You're both from right outside Chicago. I know you and Vinny got pretty close to, you know, specifically playing with those guys at the high A level last year and then a little bit at the triple A level last year. What is it like for the three of you to kind of be around each other and, and to watch those guys succeed the way they have? It's good. I mean, you just, you know what you're going to get, you know, work ethic wise and, you know, how they are in the clubhouse. They're, they're, I think they do a great job of being the same guy every day, especially Vinny. You know, you you know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get, you know, <laughs> fun guy. He doesn't take things too seriously. He always knows how to keep a clubhouse light. And um, I think it was good for Massey, too, having Vinny around. And, you know, they just <laughs> – it's just a good time in the clubhouse with those guys and hanging out. So um, I'm excited to see him keep having success up there. Vinny said the other day when he found out that he was going to be the American League Player of the Week that he was in the middle of doing a crossword. And I know that you do a crossword every <laughs> single day. That, that's like your thing. You, you go into the clubhouse, you know, it's it's okay. You know, what's 46 across? Yeah. Five letters for a musical instrument that's bronze or something like that. <laughs> uh, you know, when did you start doing crosswords and really getting involved <laughs> with that being a part of your routine? Well, it was started in Iowa this year. They had them out on the desk, and I did one, and it, I don't know, I just kind of, I like having a cup of coffee after breakfast, sitting in my hotel room, we're here at the Omni, sitting on that rooftop and doing a crossword, are you kidding me? I haven't been to the rooftop. It's awesome. I'll check it out. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's a fun 20 minutes, you know, after I have breakfast, having a cup of coffee. Um, It just kind of starts my day off. I don't know if it really does anything for my brain. (laughs) because <laughs> I haven't really gotten much faster at them. But. <laughs> well, you just said 20 minutes. I, that's a kind of a humble brag. I mean, those things can take up to an hour. Yannick, if they're really challenging. Yannick and I have been doing them. His girlfriend is unbelievable at these crosswords. So she'll do it right away in the morning this week. She'll text us the time, and then Yannick and I will try and do it together and beat her, and we haven't gotten her this week so far. No? No. Do you find yourself, like, retaining random facts? Yes. And just, like, knowing things? Yes. Because I know with crosswords, you know, sometimes the clues, they don't repeat themselves, but they're kind of similar to yeah. a clue you saw a different day. And so kind of you, you, you almost get trained on, on, like, the ways that these crosswords work. Like, you know, there's got to be a vowel here, or because of the way this clue's written, there's an S at the end of this yeah. one, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's fun. I mean, I try and, uh, Giannick and I try and have a little competition, too, so. That's just a good way to start my day. Let's talk about some other clubhouse competition because here in Louisville, they got a ping pong table in the clubhouse. And, uh, you know, not to peel back the curtain too, too far, but yesterday you and and Ryan Weiss were really going at it. Like, it was was a titanic ping pong clash. (laughs) I mean, you guys were smashing them back and forth and back and forth, and and you came out on top. But sounds like he's a really good player, but it seems like you might be the best in the clubhouse right now. That was some high-level table tennis. That was the high level. Yeah. Right there. I'm 0-3 today, so I'm not the best in the clubhouse today. But uh, 
Clay, uh, Clay just beat me. He worked up a lather. He had to take a shower right after. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he had to work hard to beat you. He's running back and forth on the table. I'm just cracking up. He had to go take a shower after. Well, so there's something interesting that you said in there is that you know you weren't the best today because you're 0-3 today on the table. But like you might have been the best yesterday yeah. because you won however many games you played yesterday. And it seems like baseball's a lot like that. Yep. Sometimes you're going to be the best player on the field. Sometimes you're not going to be the best player on the field. Sometimes you're going to hit a walk-off grand slam. Sometimes you're going to strike out in that situation. Yep. How do you balance those two extremes over the course of a baseball season and try and find consistency somewhere in the middle to try and be the best player you can be day in and day out? I mean, it's just a trial and error thing and an experience thing. I mean, I mean this is only my fourth year of pro ball, so... I'm sure there. I mean, there's guys who've been playing this game for 15 years. You know, it's just, and they still they're still learning stuff every day too. I mean, it's just you learn something about yourself almost daily in this game, and you know, it's a peaks and valleys, and it's just how how can you stay the same guy, you know, throughout all those you know challenges and trials, and you know, it's humbling. Like last week in Toledo, I go two for three with a with a big homer. And I'm feeling on top of the world. I'm like, God, I was seeing beach balls today. And then I get to the yard the next day. I feel good in BP, and I go for three or three strikeouts. You know, it's just, it's just a battle back and forth, and being able to rely on your teammates. You know, just like emotionally and you know socially to get you through times like that and keep you level. And then, you know, I think the coaching staff does a good job of, you know, having your back and, you know, giving you a pat on the butt when you need it and, you know, giving you a high five after you've done something really good. So, I mean, it's just, it's always going to be a part of the game. It teaches you a lot, a lot about yourself and it teaches you a lot about life, you know, because it can be a grueling game sometimes, but it's still the most rewarding to me. There have only been a handful of guys this year that have been with the Storm Chasers since opening day and through today with, you know, no games missed here or there, call-ups or anything like that. You know, what's the vibe been like in the clubhouse this year from day one with some new faces, some familiar faces? It just seems like a solid group that you guys got. Oh, 100%. Um, I've had a little experience the last couple of years in AAA clubhouse, and I think uh, I think we've done a great job this year. we got a good group of guys, you know, some older veterans like Mangdan and Freeman and and Peacock and Colton Brewer, who, you know, kind of set the tone in the clubhouse and we kind of just follow their lead. You know, like Sam Freeman's surprised he's not out here right now. He's out here every day working his butt off, working on his craft. And it's like, that guy's, what is he, 32 years old? 34, 35. 34 years old, and he's still doing that every day. 35. working. You know, it just shows you how far a routine can take you, and he's just an absolute treat to have in the clubhouse. I mean, you're not going to find a better guy than Sam Freeman and, Danny Mangden, so it's just it's it's nice to have veteran guys like that in your clubhouse who kind of show you you know how to be a professional and at the same time how to keep it light and get your work in. Even though this is only your fourth year of pro ball and you were drafted in 2019, you still find yourself as one of the more experienced guys in this Omaha clubhouse. It feels like it's become a younger and younger team as the season's gone on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 great having you know Porter and Lofton come up here. Guys, have I've spent time with and uh, last year in High A. Um, but yeah, it's I mean Triple A is a lot different than it was. You know, back in I feel like before the contraction, you know, it used to be a lot of 
there are a lot of older guys who have showtime and bounce around and I feel like it's kind of changed in the last two years where all the young it's kind of young guys leading leading the charge up here so it's you know I try I pride myself on being a good clubhouse guy and you know bringing some good energy and you know leading leading by example with work ethic you know like I feel like I always I always try and get my work in and you know invite other guys to come with me and you know it's just Again, trying to be the same guy every day. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much day in, day out. You can count on seeing you out on the field way before everybody else doing some stretching, some breathing exercises, I don't know, going for a nice stroll around the outfield. I mean, yeah. what what is part of your routine pregame before, you know, a lot of the guys are out on the field? Um, I mean, I like getting here early and, you know, taking my time. I, I, I don't like feeling rushed, so I try and get here a little early and run a little bit, get a sweat going stretch out the body and just kind of plug some headphones in, maybe listen to some fantasy football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's in the I've been ears. doing a lot of that lately. I'll do a mock draft right after my crossword in the morning. So I, I mean, I, <laughs> you're not going to find a guy more excited for the NFL than this guy right here. But, uh, you know, it just kind of like resets me. Um, I kind of try and get my focus on the day, what I want to do, what I want to do in batting practice, what adjustments I need to make. Um, and kind of just, you know, center my thoughts, you know, just being out there alone, um, just with myself and, you know, it just, it really helps me start my day in the clubhouse and then I'm all ready to go. You know, my body's feeling good. My head's feeling good. And then I go hit the cage. Let's detour for a little bit. Uh, and, and, you know, after we finish up here, I got some fantasy football questions all right. for you, all right. uh, but I'm going to put you on the spot. You know, you're, you're gearing up for the football season. It feels like everyone's attention is starting to turn toward the, the football season. How are the bears going to do this year? Oh my God. It's, uh, I don't want to put you in a bad mood. <laughs> I, I'm, it's, it's not going to put me in a bad mood. I mean, I'm not expecting much this year. I, mean, I want to see fields take a step forward, but we got, you know, we got a new coaching staff, um, a new GM. So I'm still going to go to a bunch of games. Yeah, that's like my religion in the fall is pretty much going to football games and putting on my Bears gear every Sunday. So uh, I mean, until recently, you, you had a pretty thick mustache. Ditka. I mean, you, you could have pulled off a Ditka stash Coach. if you wanted to. Coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still pumped. I'm going to scream at the TV, and my girlfriend's going to be scared of me every Sunday. But. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she, uh, she, she usually just sits in the corner of the couch on her phone and kind of probably texts her friends, this guy's crazy. During football season. But she's still there. She's still here. She's yeah. still there. She's still here. She tolerates it. She's a good girl. What does is, what is the offseason look like for you? Um, Other than, you know, going crazy on football Sundays. Yeah. Um, you know, just hanging out with family and friends back in uh, north north suburb of Chicago. So we'll see. Uh, my girlfriend wants me to stay in Iowa City with her this year. So I got some, I got some things to figure out. She has a big say in that, obviously. But, um, you know, I just I got a place I work out at back home called Slammers um, that I've worked at since I was like 10, 11 years old. So I've kind of seen that place grow and I you know, take a lot of pride in being, you know, being a part of that and being a part of the culture and going in there every day with the same group of guys. Um, you know, it's just a it's just a fun place to be, fun place to work out for me. What's it like going back there as Jimmy Govern? triple-a baseball player versus you know jimmy govern 10 year old kid yeah i mean it's it's rewarding for sure because i'll see like memories on my phone from when i was you know 14 15 years old in there at 10 o'clock at night throwing balls off a off one of those bounce back nets and practicing ground balls and hitting off a tee 
late. One of the one of the owners I'm pretty tight with. Uh, he gave me a a key when I was in high school, so I was in there, you know, nonstop. I'd go there, stay there, and lock it up, and wake up early in the morning and go in there. So I mean, I've I've always really pride myself on my work ethic and you know kind of just being a a gritty guy who's always going to grind it out and you know you know put my put my best foot forward and put myself in the best situation I possibly can be it seems like the kind of thing that can give you a good amount of perspective on how far you've come in this baseball journey from you know college ball playing four years in college uh, 30th round pick in 2019, reaching the, the highest level of minor league baseball. You've now played more games at the AAA level than you have at any other stop in your professional baseball career. And I, I got to think that that means something. Oh, 100%. You know, I used to, every time, like when I'm driving driving home from working out when I was in high school, and I'd go into the train tracks and a train would be passing over. I'd put my, you know, hand on the ceiling and, you know, I'd say I wish to, wish to get drafted by an MLB team. You know, so I've been... I've been wishing that since I was a little kid, just like so many other guys do. And, you know, being, it's even sitting in this press box looking out on, you know, this beautiful stadium. Um, I mean, it's, it's very gratifying. Um, I'm very, very grateful for the Royals giving me an opportunity, you know, to be here and show that I deserve to play here and, you know, I belong. So, you know, it's just every day, you know, I just try and put that into perspective. You know, sometimes it's tough. When you're in a rut and or you're not playing that much, you're like, am I, am I supposed to be here? Am I, am I wasting my time? Should I move on? And then, you know, just sitting right here looking out on this thing, you know, I could go walk out there barefoot and throw a football around on this beautiful field. You know, like, it's pretty great. It's, it's a good view. It's, you know, it's, it's an awesome experience. And I know, you know, a 10 year old kid would be, would be really proud of where I am right now. I want to go back to one thing that you said, uh, when when the train's passing by, you put your hand on the ceiling. Is yeah. that like a when superstition you, thing? Yeah, when you drive I've under... I've never heard this You drive under life. train tracks? What? You drive under train tracks and there's a train going by. You put your hand on the ceiling and make a wish. This is a thing. Yeah, I've a never thing. heard this. Is this a, like just a Chicago area I thing? I don't know. <laughs> just something you did growing I don't up? Know. Or at 1111? Well, that one, I've, that one I've heard of that one. Yeah. I guess that one has more national appeal. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not everywhere has a I lot of places. I don't even know where I picked that up, but every, uh, there was like a... Like a 1045 Metro that I would drive home, and I would be driving home at the same time every night, I feel like, and almost always pass under it. Okay, well, th- there you go, folks. If there's, <laughs> if you're driving underneath some train tracks, just toss your hand on that The ceiling. train's got to be going over, though. The train has, so you have to be aware that the train is going over at yeah. the same time, so yeah. it's a timing thing. Yeah. All right, hope you're taking notes wherever you're <laughs> listening from. Uh, let's go back to when you were drafted in 2019, when that you know train track wish came true you know you're you're waiting a long time for your name to be called you know oh, there, yeah. there there's not even 30 <laughs> rounds in the draft anymore that round that you were drafted in doesn't exist uh you know that's that's how long you had to wait but when it comes when you hear your name called you know where were you what, what were you doing what I did it feel like a bunch of my a couple of my friends were over and we were chipping in the front yard chipping golf balls and we had the ipad up with the draft tracker going on and i didn't even get a call so we walk over to the iPad thing and check, and the guy from Moorhead State got drafted. And I was like, I took this guy deep. How am I not drafted yet? <laughs> and then the next thing that pops up is me. And I just like, everyone stops and just looks at each other. And I just start sprinting up and down the street with my hands up. So I already had a 
couple adult beverages at that time due to stress. Stress. Forgivable. So, Very forgivable. So, so I was running around, and then we had a big party on the back porch, and all my family and friends were there, and it was <laughs> it was a great moment. wasn't wasn't too fun to wake up to, but it was uh, <laughs> it was it was a fun night. One of my good college buddies, uh, Jason Scholl, drove up from Chicago after I got drafted, and he, you know. We got after it a little bit, and he woke up in the basement of my house cuddling a 25-pound plate, <laughs> sleeping on my cat's bed, and he's allergic to cats. Oh, no. <laughs> so he woke up in hives. Oh, jeez. He woke up in hives. And it was, I'll tell that story until uh, till the day I die. <laughs> so you got a lot of a ton of family there. Yeah. You got a ton of friends there. Yeah. Uh, Who's the first person that you called to tell the news to? The old man. Obviously, I mean He wasn't he wasn't there? He was working. Well, he wasn't he was done with work and he drove across the street to a little restaurant to relieve some stress and watch the draft tracker on his own. So I called him uh I called him right after and you know, it was it was a great moment obviously. I mean, that guy's been he can't even throw anymore cuz he threw me so much batting practice when I was a kid. You know, it's just every time I'd come home after school and be like, and he'd come home from work and be like, Dad, can we go take ground balls? Or, Dad, can you can we go hit? It was always a yes. You know, like I can't I can't thank him enough for, you know, the example he set as a man and, you know, the example he set, you know, work ethic-wise along with my mom. You know, like they both instilled that in me at a young age and both very successful in their own right. So it's just I've had two great – Two great role models to look up to and a great, you know, support system back home with my whole family. I mean, they text me. I get texts from my aunts and uncles and everyone after a game, good game or bad game. You know, it's just they always got my back and, you know, it's just, you know, it's just a comforting feeling knowing like they're just, they're Jimmy Govern fans. They're not Jimmy Govern baseball fans, you know. Last week, no, your your dad was in Toledo to watch some of those games. And I know he's been out to a bunch of games in some other places, too. You know, when the Chasers play, you know, in Indianapolis, Toledo, even here in Louisville, it's not as far away from home for you as Omaha might be or St. Paul or Rochester or wherever else the Storm Chasers are playing. You know, what's it like hitting a home run with your dad in the stands? <laughs> it, was, it was good. I mean, it's my uh, – one of my neighbors was there, too, and uh, my dad's fiance was there. So, obviously, it's great to perform when your family comes it's it's a good moment so i kind of looked up at because they're sitting right behind the first base dugout so when i ran out for defense the next inning i kind of looked back and gave him a wink so you know it's always it's it's great having family in town you know good or bad you know you're gonna go out and get something to eat and have a good time with them after after you got drafted what was or or who did you get a text from or a phone call from that either surprised you the most or has really stuck with you in a way that, you know, you might not have expected? Um, you know, a meaningful message from, from a non-family member. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a coach I had back in, like, eighth grade, a travel ball coach, who he played minor league baseball. And obviously at that point I was like, God, this guy played pro ball. Like, he's unbelievable. So I always really looked up to him, and I'd always ask him, like, do you think I have a chance to play pro ball? Do you think I have a chance to get drafted? He's like, absolutely. I think you remind me of, he used to say, yeah, I think you remind me of J.J. Hardy through and through. 
So uh, I hadn't talked to him in like two or three years at that point, and I got a text from him saying, I told you. You know, I always saw that in you, and I'm very proud of you for still believing in yourself the whole time. You know, there were some odds stacked against you, and, you know, it was just it was a cool moment. So first year of Pro Bowl, you're in Arizona, and you jump from Arizona to Omaha, and they say, hey, Jimmy, uh, we know you just got drafted. We know you've spent the entire season here in rookie ball. Why don't you go to AAA? <laughs> I thought he was messing with me. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought he was I was like what, Triple A dude. This is I thought I was going to like Burlington, or something. So I mean I called my dad and my mom and they were like what, are you serious? I mean, so I was just <laughs> I mean I was just a naive like a little bit a little bit of arrogance a little bit of ignorance going up there. I'm like I just hit three sixty five in rookie ball. I'm fine, you know. So it was kind of like that little bit of you know, I was playing with house money. You know, I'm like this 30th round rookie ball kid coming up, so I was just hacking. I don't think I got into a three-ball count <laughs> in, in 21 at-bats or whatever I had. I don't think I even sniffed a three-ball count. Yeah, 21 at-bats. I'm looking at it right here. You went zero seven walks. for 21. <laughs> uh, zero walks. <laughs> but you hit two homers. You homered on the last two days of of the Omaha season. Yep. The, the second last game and you know, homered in the season finale, a six nothing win for the Storm Chasers, uh turned out to be the last Pacific Coast League game in Omaha franchise history. And as it turns out, your homer in that game is Omaha's last Pacific Coast League home run because there was no season in twenty twenty. Twenty twenty one was triple A East. It was the directional year and now it's the International League. And so you, Jimmy Govern, officially have the last Pacific Coast League home run in Omaha franchise history. You think I could get a belated bonus for that or something? <laughs> I mean, maybe there could be like a plaque or maybe a cake or something like that, you know, along the way. It, it strikes me as one of those things that, like, is it is it super meaningful over the grand scheme? Maybe, maybe not. Is it kind of neat? I think so. Yeah. I think it's kind of neat. Yeah, that's cool. It was, yeah, it was 0-2. I swung it two change-ups down, and then I'm like, all right, he's definitely throwing this again. Just please stay through it. Don't strike out. And I got it good enough, and I think it was a windy day in Omaha. Oh, so you mean a day that ends in Y? <laughs> I think it was a windy day in Omaha, and I might have gotten a little kiss from a gust. <laughs> but <laughs> they don't ask how. They ask how many. Well, yeah. I mean, look, it doesn't show up in the box score uh -huh. as, you know, home run wind aided uh, uh, it just shows up as going over the fence and, and counting exactly exactly <laughs> they all they all count the same um but you hit those two home runs you finish out the season in omaha and then i got to imagine i mean you could have probably flown yourself to idaho after playing the way you did in arizona yeah. hitting oh, a couple yeah. bombs at triple a i upgraded a first class on the way to idaho did you did oh, you yeah. actually oh, yeah. good for you <laughs> Well, what I was bought it? the Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was what was what was Idaho like? Because that was that was the last season that that league existed. Idaho, it was cool. I mean, I had, I've never I've never seen that part of the country before. You know, baseball has brought me to a lot of places in the country that I didn't think I'd be and maybe won't ever go back to. But uh, is Idaho one of them? <laughs> Look, I've never been to Idaho. I'd love to, I'd love to someday. No, I'd go back to Idaho. I don't know if I'd go back to uh, Beloit, Wisconsin. But uh, 
Bunch sorry, of, bunch sorry of to all of our Beloit cheeseheads up there. <laughs> sorry to all of our Beloit I'm listenership. I'm not even sorry. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> I'll be sorry for both of us. <laughs> Look, on, on the Jimmy Govern podcast bingo card, I didn't have takedown of Beloit as one of the spaces. Cheeseheads. I guess that should have been the free spaces. Anything, that Aaron Rodgers anything in Wisconsin Favre. should have been a free space. They can take it. All right, fine. Idaho, though. You know, what's it, what's it like playing for the Chuckers? It was fun. I mean, there's ton of mountains and being from illinois i'm like mesmerized by mountains so when we were playing in ogden for the championship like the backdrop that's in utah by the way yeah it's in utah um the backdrop of the field was the rocky mountains and i was like this is unbelievable so like being able to play baseball in different parts of the country and kind of take in take in the scenery has been you know just an absolute treat so it was fun. I didn't hit that well in Idaho, but we won the championship. Well, did, so did you get a ring? Yeah. So now you have three rings. I have three rings. So you've got a ring from from Idaho Falls. Yep. You've got a ring from Quad Cities last year. Yep. Roll Bandits. Spent spent the first half of the year in Quad Cities. Oh yeah. And you've got a ring from Northwest Arkansas last year. That's where you finished the season. Yep. So first and foremost, I mean, are they fit for different fingers? No. They're all fit for the same finger. Yeah. Which finger? I don't know the ring finger. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me it's like, oh, you know, I got one for the pointer, you know, one for the thumb, like Brady or something like that. <laughs> they're all fit for the ring finger. Okay, do they all fit at the same time? Because they're pretty hefty. They're sizable. They're big, yeah. I think they could fit. I haven't tried them all on at one time. Well, I know there was a day this year where you got the rings from 2021 yeah. at the same time. Uh, Storm Chasers were in Iowa, and I guess it was it was ring day uh, in AA and high A, and so the guys that had played for the Bandits and the Naturals last year that were with the Storm Chasers got their rings in the clubhouse yeah. in Iowa. And so you've got this you know, really nice box, then you open it up and you see this big shiny ring there, and then, oh, oh there's another box, and yeah. that one's got a ring in it too. Uh, so to see those in front of you, you know, at the same time, getting them on the same day, you know, what, what, what's that like? Obviously, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of it. You know, winning championships is tough, you know, and to be able, I mean, it just goes down to the group of guys we had, though. You know, like that clubhouse and that clubhouse in high, it was just unbelievably talented. Um, you know, just from day one of the season, it was kind of, we're going to walk out on the field and know we're, we're going to win. You know, it was kind of, everybody cared about winning, everyone, you know, fulfilled the role to the best of their abilities and it was kind of just all everybody pulling the rope the same way you know so that was I mean that was the best baseball team I think I've ever played on last year in high A so that was just that was an absolute blast you know just to be a part of that be a part of that culture and contribute and then back in when we go to double A you know when Vinny and I went up there um we had a pretty outside shot at even making the playoffs at that point and to be able to you know, with MJ and Bobby and Prado going up and to be able to kind of, you know, keep keep improving and keep putting, keep stacking wins, you know, I thought that sp- spoke a lot about that group of guys we had there. You know, I mean, I don't know what the percentage was, but it couldn't have been very high. Even the last day we needed two teams to lose and we needed to win to get in. And then to go in there and sweep Wichita, who, you know, obviously is a great club. You know, I'm very proud of that and it's that's an experience I'll never forget. What was your expectation coming into 2022 on where you'd be? Um, I mean, I didn't really know. I mean, I last year in AA, um, I struggled for the first time, hitting-wise, pretty much. So I'm thinking maybe I get a shot to go back 
go back to double A and prove I can have success there. Maybe, yeah, I, I really had no idea where I was going to go. Um, you know, spring training is a weird time. Like you're getting put with different groups every day and, you know, it's, you sh- it's tough not to read too much into it. And then, you know, I think I kind of, I felt a little sorry for myself being for the first time in my career, instead of, you know, being like, Oh, you're going to put me in this group. Let me show you why I shouldn't, why I should be in a higher group. You know, I felt a little sorry for myself and, you know, pouted a little bit and I'm disappointed in it in my, in my attitude during spring. But, you know, I, once I found out I was coming to AAA, I asked to drive because, you know, just I drove solo from Arizona to Omaha and it kind of just helped me, you know, like reset my head, like reset my attitude and refocus my energy on what I wanted to do and what I've always done. And that's, you know, just being a hardworking guy, being a guy, you know, plays his butt off and, you know, trying to help teammates and. You know, just bring good energy. How long is that drive? Dude, that was 20-something, 23. Is that the longest drive you've ever done? No, I drove from – I've driven from my hometown by Chicago to Arizona twice. Okay. So, so, like, what do you do other than, you know, think, listen to a podcast? You call everyone in your phone book. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you make any stops along the way? Like, if you're coming up from Arizona, I mean, you can go through some of those national parks. I I, I stopped. On the way up here, I went through Denver. Because I've never taken that route. I've always gone through Albuquerque and then north. So I went through Denver, and I stopped in Colorado because I want to drive through the Rocky Mountains. So that was cool. I stopped in Colorado Springs after, like, 12 hours. And then had, like, 11 the next day driving through Denver. But on the start of the second day, I was driving through, like, Vail. And it was just like snow, flurries, crazy. Like I'm right, because like, this is this is this is like the first week of April, late yeah. March, first week of April. I'm thinking there's going to be no snow, and I'm driving through this. It's like a snowstorm, and I'm driving through mountains. I'm like, oh boy, this might have been a bad this idea. This might have been a terrible <laughs> idea. Because you're go like you go up way high, and then it's just straight downhill. So you're pretty much just riding the brake the whole time. Like, oh god, this might have been a horrible idea, but I made it. So. And then you drive clear across Nebraska. You come straight through Nebraska. I mean, once you get through Denver, there is absolutely nothing. No. Nothing? There's nothing. I haven't been out there. <laughs> once you get past Denver, there is nothing. Like, just flat. Just straight fields. Yeah. Forever. Forever. Sprawling lands of the yeah. heart of America. Yeah. Sounds kind of peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice weather. Let's talk about, let's talk about some moments in your career. You know, there's a big one that I think people who are listening know that we're going to get to in a second. But first, uh, moment in college. You hit for the cycle. That's pretty cool. Yeah, at Alabama State. I remember it was – I started hitting leadoff. Like four games. We, we were playing Jacksonville State, and I was hitting leadoff for the first time in my college career. And I hit a leadoff home run three games in a row. And then – I something the fourth game I didn't hit a home run then the fifth game I hit a home run to lead off and then I hit for the cycle that day what was the order it was homer I think it was homer single no it was homer double to right center single to left on a line and then triple to right center so you had to finish it with the triple it was the top of the ninth yeah I had to hit a triple so you know ball leaves your bat out of the box stay in 
and you're you're going three. Yeah, I'm, no I was, I, the shortstop could have had the ball at second base. I was running to third. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting. You're either getting thrown out because we were up like seven or, or eight. I'm like, I am going to third base. So you got a cycle in your back pocket. Yeah. Uh, this year, you have the walk off grand slam. Yeah. Which which to this point of the season, and frankly, I don't really think it matters what happens the next month and change. I think it's going to go in the books as the most electric moment from the 2022 season. That was awesome. You know, a six-run comeback in the bottom of the ninth inning. You know, they make a pitching change. You step up. Boom. Walk-off grand slam. Uh, I mean, the energy in the ballpark at that point, the energy from that moment. Uh, what was it? What did it feel like for you coming around the bases? I mean, I was just juiced up. Because, uh, you know, it was – I had been playing that much and, you know, getting a start and being able to be the hero that night was just, you know, something, something I'll cherish forever. And then having that moment with Vin after, you know, I dapped up everyone and hugged everybody. You know, Vin, Vin waiting to kind of, you know, be like, dude, unbelievable <laughs> job. I'm like, yeah, I just hit a walk-off grand slam. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's the stuff you drew about in the backyard. But I remember I was in the hole – Standing in the dugout, and Coar was right next to me, and he goes, "Jim, why don't why don't you uh why don't you just be the hero tonight?" I was like, "Yeah, why not?" So, it worked yeah, out pretty well. It worked out well. Uh, one of my favorite pictures from that night is is you coming down the third baseline, spiking your helmet between your legs, and kind of like jumping over it like a hurdle, like a long jump <laughs> kind of hurdle. Uh, uh, Minda Haas-Kuhlman, you know, shout out to her again for that picture. I got to imagine that one is getting framed somewhere someday. Yeah, one hundred percent. Obviously, Minda Minda always does a great job. She's always catches great moments. But yeah, I didn't really know what to do with my helmet after I high five Thor. So I kind of just took it off. I'm like, oh god! And I just Gronk spiked it <laughs> between the legs. And then uh, one of the I got a card. One of <clears throat> somebody Brewer knows made me like the own custom baseball card with that picture on it. So. He gave me two of them, one for one for my dad and one for my mom. So that'll be that'll be something I'll hold on to forever. Hopefully, show show my kids one day. So you've got a custom baseball card from the moment. You've got you know that picture, of the helmet spike from the moment. Did you keep any of the gear from that moment? No, I definitely broke that bat a couple of games later. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't immediately, you know, just put that one away to the side and say, you know what, you know, this bat had its moment. Uh, we're going to preserve this. For posterity, I was running out of bats, so I needed to keep using it. That <laughs> Look, maybe that one's got some more magic left. <laughs> so, but okay, so you want to break it a couple days later? Even at that point, you're not like, okay, this bat's broken now, but I'm still going to keep it. I don't know. I'll probably just pull one out and say that was the one. Sure, nobody will know the no. difference unless they listen to this. <laughs> then they'll know that you're making it all up. <laughs> but nothing, not not the helmet, the batting gloves. No. You know, did you ever get the ball? Where'd the ball wind up? I think I got the ball. Hancock gave me a ball and said, this is the ball, but I don't know if it's the ball. I mean, if it might be just as likely as the ball as the bat. Exactly. <laughs> you know? That's, that's fine. So, you know, but it's, it's, in, it's in here. Yeah. You know, it's in your heart. It's in your head. Um, you know, pretty cool, pretty cool moment. I mean, yeah. where, does that, where does that rank for you in your professional baseball career I mean, or I'm, baseball career, you know, in general? From, like from, highlights-wise? From, from Little League to now. That's probably one, dude. I don't mean, I, I don't know how something can beat that hitting a walk-off g-slam in triple a that's got to be one i think the only thing that beats that is you know that that first time you get to the show yeah have you imagined what that might be like <laughs> obviously yeah 
I mean, you've been imagining that day since you were t- eight years old. You know, just hitting a ball off the tee in the backyard. So, you know, obviously, it'd be a lot easier knowing a lot of guys up there when the you know when the opportunity happens. So it's just you know, got to keep working. Can't really focus on that. Just focus on where your feet are. You know, do the best you can today. Get your work in. Be a good person. Be a good teammate, and you know, play your butt off when you get the opportunity. Well, right now our feet find ourselves in the press box at Louisville Slugger Field in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Louisville. Uh, I've learned there's there's a bunch of different ways to pronounce it. You can walk by the visitor center here. they got a whole sign out there with the different pronunciations. Uh, but I've been told that if you say anything other than Louisville, it, it's a pretty clear indication that you're not from around these parts. <laughs> uh, that's a direct quote. <laughs> so, so Louisville it is. Uh, that's where we are. That's where the game is tonight. It's a game that, that you've got to get ready for. So... You know, we'll, we'll wrap up there. Uh, final thoughts, Jimmy, uh, on this season and uh, you know the rest of the way. I'm just trying to try to finish finish season strong. Got off to a good start the second half. You know, just try to keep the ball rolling in the right way, and you know, finish the season off with some wins and some good memories in the clubhouse, and then right into the sunset that is the NFL season. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Govern, thank you very much for joining us on the Stormcast presented by the Sarpy County Chamber of Commerce and uh, you know, good luck to good luck to those Bears. They'll need it. Thank you, Jake Eisenberg. Bear it out. <laughs> Everyone get on your feet, stir up the storm, we're family.